Hi, welcome to Teen Talk, a podcast where Jewish teens from around the world can send in questions and we'll explore the answers right here on this platform. Visit our website, jewishteentalk.com, to send in questions for future episodes. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to Jewish Teen Talk, episode 12. This week, we have with us Leora. Welcome, Leora. Hi. Hi. Here's our first question of the week. How do you get inspired to connect to Hashem when things are going fine? So I actually had this conversation with um, Adashir the Shabbos. And I was saying that I find that a lot of times like um, teenagers or even adults that are born into being religious are kind of like doing mitzvahs, learning Torah, doing what they have to do, but without that like moment of oh my gosh I want to choose to be Jewish I feel my soul or I hear you know I I feel that inspiration and a lot of times you hear that for people like who become religious or people who have left religion and then they came back because they had like an experience that whoa like now I feel so connected to God um I remember when I first went to the Kosel and I put my hands like I, I thought it would be like this, the most spiritual experience ever. And I was so disappointed because like there weren't sparks that were flying and I didn't feel my neshama. Like I just remember being so disappointed. Um, so I, I, I've i actually had the same question this Shabbos. And I feel like, Leora, you probably have a lot of insight here, like how to connect to Hashem when it's not like my whole life is upside down and crazy. And now I'm like, God, please help me. But things are going OK. Yeah, so actually, this actually, like, happened to me recently because um, we learned in school that, like, like uh, Pesach is the point where, like, it's, like, during the year, you get, like, shots, like, uh, like, spiritual, spiritual shots, like a baby, like, when they're born, they get a shot, and then um, when they're a few months old, they get another one, it's to, like, help build your immune system, and, um, like, it makes you be able to like fight disease and everything and it just like gives you strength and and so like right when you get the shot you feel you know great and healthy and everything and then when it's like time to get your other like time to get the next one like before that you feel a little bit weaker so like during the year like what we learned is that Pesach is that time where you get the shot of for like being um influenced by you know being spiritual and everything and being inspired and I was really expecting that because like last year I had I had it like where I ended up being very um inspired so when it was time for Pesach I thought I was gonna get like that spiritual high and I was waiting for it and like it never came and so I didn't know what to do so I asked my friend and she said she also felt that way but then somebody told her that like like that she has to like do something you know you can't just expect to like get like that high you have to like do something it's like a two-way street and Mm -hmm. like so what she told me like I could do is that I could write to like I could write letters to Hashem and so I've been doing that and then I started writing like I have a notebook and like I just talked to Hashem about my day and asked him for stuff and like like, in a way, it makes me feel closer, and, like, I get, like, that bit of spiritualness. <laughs> I don't know really how to phrase it, but, yeah, like, that way, and it just, you know, I feel better about my day, or, like, when I'm having a hard time, I I feel a bit connected, and 
yeah, it's like, it, it's really nice. And everybody can do it in their own way. Like my friend, she has a notebook where every time she hears something inspire, inspiring, she um, writes it down. And then there's like some other people, like I just had a Shabbaton and everyone was saying different stuff. Like some people read um, Living Amuna every night and some people write, also they write letters to Hashem and everybody do th- does their own thing. And yeah, it's like, you just have to find your way how to like, you know, feel that for July. Wow. Wow. So inspiring. I'm getting inspired from your answer, really. Um, and, and I love how you said that you like, it's not just sitting around and waiting for like that connection or that spiritual high, like you said, you know, that it, it'll just come. It's really kind of like having to feed it. And it sounds like from what you were describing, it's like maybe getting into a routine of like, okay, this is how I connect with Hashem, even if I don't feel super crazy inspired, like on a daily basis, this is how I connect with him. And you were saying like you write or somebody else reads Amuna or you know, somebody else, I also heard one of my students say the other day, like writing down moments when you really see like Hashem helping you out or, um, yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, it it's, it's really what you're describing is like what we do with davening every day. The fact that we open the same sitter and we say the same prayers every morning is like recognizing God. I mean, it's, you know, part of davening. Yeah. So actually, um, last year I, had like this whole thing I went through it wasn't the best year for me I had a lot of challenges a lot of stuff happened and I was really like stuck in that like moment where like I just felt like everything was going wrong and I like I don't know I I didn't feel like Hashem cared or anything and I didn't feel like that there was anything there for me and it was just a really hard year and then um this class happened and it it really like it it like sparked something in me and my friend and we went over a teacher and we talked to her and then you know after like talking with my friend and everything I realized that like okay there's a Hashem out there and then um that I would have to like you know dive in and ask like for help but for me I I went through like this part of my life where like I really didn't see the point of davening like to the point where like I actually forgot most of the stuff of davening so um slowly I ended up learning like I taught myself how to like daven better and everything and then once I did that I would daven Shmanasre and I would just feel so much closer to Hashem so much better and I felt like okay a lot of things were going wrong but I still had him there and like in the end things ended up working out slowly and like now even now I still work on my davening and I just feel like every time I daven I feel some connection that like I didn't have before and I'm really happy for that. Wow. And it's amazing that you didn't give up. Like you weren't just like, okay, it doesn't work for me. Like you figured out a way to make it work. I wonder if you could like share with us the secret of what, how you taught yourself davening again. Cause I find that's so powerful. Like, um, so really, okay. I'm, I'm really bad at reading Hebrew. Like I'm, I'm really bad at it. And so I started out with like saying there's some stuff I knew. So I started out with that and I went did it I said every day I just said that part and then the next day or like a week after I decided you know what I'm gonna try to do the other one so I did it and slowly but surely like I did parts by parts and even now I'm not perfect in it and um I'm still trying and I'm still learning and but like I did it slowly at a time because if I tried to take on the entire thing I just would have given up 
And so I did it like slowly, like one step at a time. Okay, yeah, I failed at that. But then after I tried the next day, or <laughs> if I failed at that, I stopped and I tried a different way or like a different um, bracha shmonesser. And also what helped me was that we actually had a tefillah class. And so when we were learning about tefillah, I would try to learn that tefillah. And like, it just helped me like end up uh, learning how to dive in and be better at it and feeling close to Hashem. Wow. And it's also like, I feel like what you're sharing is so powerful. The idea that first of all, you're saying like you did a little bit at a time, like it doesn't sound like you took on the whole Shemana Esri at once. It was like, okay, I understand this part of the bracha or whatever it is that you concentrated on. So like doing it a little bit at a time helps a lot. And also what, as you were talking, like it made me think of Joey Newcomb's song, you know, Sheva Yipal Tzadik, like, a, you know, Tzadik falls and you get back up. And the fact that like you didn't give up throughout, it was just hearing that Hashem's here for you. But also it's like what you were saying is like, you didn't feel it, but it was probably at the right timing when that friend said to you, hey, why don't you try davening? And you were just ready to hear that, you know, because I find sometimes like the process we go through is maybe I don't feel connected to Hashem. I feel disconnected. And then we get to a point where like somebody says, hey, but why don't you try this? And the fact that you were open to it, you know, you you gave yourself like a second chance at davening, really. Yeah. Um, and a funny thing about Sheva Yifal Sadik, um, my, I think my grandfather told me this or somebody told me this, that, um, the meaning, like, it's like, okay, it's Sadik falls seven times, like, uh, Sadik falls seven times. Okay. But what my, um, what somebody told me was that, um, it's not that Sadik falls seven times. It's because he fell seven times and he got back up. That's how he became a Sadik. So that oh, was so like, like that helped me out like during then, like I just happened to hear it then. And then, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I actually, when my mother was really sick, I wrote a song for her to that tune. Cause I felt like that was a story of her life. Like she never gave up, you know, even though she had struggles or things came up, she just kept going. And you're right. That's what makes a person a tzaddik or, you know, in her case, a tzaddikis. So I feel like right now, this is a great segue into the next question. The question is what happens when we have a setback in Judaism? So basically, um, when I was in Chumash class and then we were learning about some stuff, I don't exactly remember what we were learning about, but then after class, me and a few girls, um, asked my teacher, like, what happens, like, when, like, when we were working on something and then it just fails, like, it, it doesn't work anymore. Like, what are you supposed to do? You tried so hard and, like, now, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, give up and, like, try another thing? Like, you, like, it's hard, you know? So... My teacher gave us uh, a muscle of a man. He was a very rich man, and he was um, building this huge building. And he worked really hard, months and months and months. And then finally, it was ready. And all there was left to do was to hang up a big sign on it. So he goes up the up the building, and he's hanging up the sign. Then he slips, and he falls down. And then he falls into a coma. And then months after, he wakes up. And he's like, what happened to my building? I saw it fall down, like, all my work, it's ruined and gone. And then the doctors and the people there, they said, no, your building didn't fall down. You fell down. You could still get up and go climb up the building again and put that sign back up. So mm. it's like our lives when, when you're working on something really hard and you do slowly and then you're getting up. But then after it just doesn't work out, like you fall back and you think, everything's over and then 
but like you still have that building that you built you still have those steps that you took and now that you've already done it it's going to be easier it might still be hard but it's going to be easier to get back to where you were because you still built that wow wow it's it's and it's so it's so reassuring it's like even if we feel like we're we've had a setback or someone falls back and they're like you have what to step on you know, it's not like staying there and just, oh, here I, I'm back where I was. Um, I actually remember hearing in high school, like a, like a rubber band that like even, you, you know, that concept of, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but like when you're going back and you feel like it's a setback, it's kind of like this rubber band that the further you want the rubber band to go, the further back it has to go. So every time we feel like we fall down or we have a setback or, oh my gosh, here I'm back at square one, like it's because this is how much further I'm going to grow and how much further I'm going to go when I get back up and I try again. And, and um, it's wow. Like I'm, I'm very visual. So your example is definitely going to stick with me for a while. <laughs> yeah. And like, I never heard what you said, but like, I, I really like it. Like that I'm, I'm always going to remember. That's neat. But you know what? It's also like when we're experiencing the setback, like when we feel like we've fallen back, it's very hard to like in that moment be be telling ourselves, oh, this is going to be for the good. I'm going to go forward. It's usually people around us that tell us that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I wouldn't have gotten through the things I've gotten through in life without my friends. Um, I definitely, in the moment, I thought that everything was um, terrible and that I was never going to do anything. And like, yeah, so like there's like the stuff that me and my friends tried doing with technology and I failed so many times what my you know my friend got me up back up and she also really inspired me like she she's done so much stuff that like I can't even imagine doing but like in a way like what she does inspired me and she helps me get through a lot and yeah like I feel like if you want to get something done and you should really do it with friends because they'll push you to be better and they'll push you. And like, if you fall down and mess up, they're going to be there for you and help you to like get back up and complete what you wanted to do. Wow. And it's also what you're describing are good friends. You know, I heard someone say to me once, she said, the way to know if someone's a good friend or not is if you spend time with them and afterwards you feel closer to yourself, like you feel happy with yourself and then that's a good friend. But if afterwards you're like questioning yourself and and putting yourself down and like, oh my gosh, I'm so, why do I wear things like this? That's not a good friend. You know, that's more of like a judgmental friend or a friend who, you know, some people like will put down a friend because they want to feel better. So, but the friends that you're describing do not sound like um, the ones that I've been saying, you know, they really sound like true real friends who've helped you through and that's what friends are for. Yeah, they're, they're really the best. They push me to be the best in all different ways, in my schoolwork, in my spiritualness, in like, you know, just being me. And like, you know, they push me to be my best self. Yeah. Know? I love the word spiritualness. I, I think it's like spirituality, <laughs> but I love that new word. <laughs> I'm going to use Eliora. Um, I, you know, I, I also like when I was like really in the grind and, and when I went through really, really difficult times, like especially when I was in seminary and I had a full-blown anxiety attack, I couldn't make it to seminary. It was like my real friends. Then that's when I realized who were my real friends, the ones who didn't stop coming and they visited me and they stood by me and, you know, they were rooting for me. And I don't know, like you can have friends and they could say from today till tomorrow, they're friends. But when the going gets tough, they're really there. 
Yeah, it's like I had a I had a bad day once, and I was really annoyed, and um, it was over some like stupid sign sign stuff that I tried to do, and I ended up like not doing the best, and I I was really you know in a bad mood, and my friend came all the way from Coastal Luke since her sister was anyway there to come cheer me up, and you know I thought that was really really nice. Wow, wow. Look, and and you know it's exactly what you're saying. Like to get through life, you know sometimes it's not just one best friend I know a lot of people you know stress like I don't have that one best friend that's there for me always but sometimes even having friends for different things like this friend you know will pick me up whatever this friend I can study with this friend that's what I heard once you know from someone who who um was giving really good advice about friends (laughs) yeah that's that's really true here's our last question of the week how can I embrace or appreciate being Jewish being that it's something I'm born with. So I, I imagine that this question, you know, I, it's also coming after an episode where we discuss that what's the difference between being Jewish and being religious. So being Jewish means that I was born to a Jewish mother and that's it. That's who I am. Like, I don't, I can't leave being Jewish. It's just the way I'm born. And being religious is a choice. Um, so how do I embrace and appreciate being Jewish if it's something that I'm born with it's not something that I've chosen um I'm also thinking maybe this question is the same idea as the other one where it was kind of about you know everything's going fine so how do I ignite that inspiration so if I've been born Jewish how do I actually appreciate it and embrace it and it's such a good time that we're asking this question because we're coming closer to Shavuos in a few days and that's when, you know, as a nation, we accepted the Torah. We were chosen as a Jewish nation. So, Leora, what's your take on this? Um, Like, being Jewish meant to me until I realized that, like, one of my friends, like, you know, um, she was Michal Shabbos. And, like, that really hurt. And then that's when I realized how much I love it. And there was actually this story that I just thought of um, where there was this man and he, um, he was a, he was, training to be a priest and he decided you know what um I'm gonna go to Israel you know seems cool and everything and like you know to learn about some stuff and he went and then he went to the Kosel because you know um it's like a big landmark and like like people um get inspired there and stuff so he went and then there's this Jewish man who saw him and he's like oh you know he thought he was Jewish so he invited the priest um in training to come to his house and eat for Shabbos and everything and then he ended up staying there and learning about Judaism for um a few months and then the man finally asked the priest in training what are you doing here like what brings you to Israel he's like oh yeah I just wanted to stop here like and um be here and like just like experience this before I become a priest and he's like the man realized he just brought a priest into his house and he said like it was nice um meeting you and everything but um you know since you're becoming a priest I can't really have you at my house so the priest left and then the priest was in this um school he was teaching and everything and then there was this kid and the kid was um Jewish and he was in like a Catholic school and everything so instead of like having like to go pray um with all the Catholic children the priest told the kids to come to him every day and he teach him about you know the Torah and also about like you know how to dive in and stuff and then when he was like 18 
he goes and he asks this priest, like, what, like, how did you know about this? Like, how did you know um, about all this Jewish stuff? And he said, oh, yeah. So basically, um, like, I was learning, I like, I ended up staying by somebody's house and he taught me all this stuff. And um, this boy, he, he saw um, this woman pushing, um, uh, like, um, like her husband, uh, they're old people. And pushing her husband, like, wheeling him to the hospital. And he goes to the woman, like, what are you doing? So she said, oh, I need to bring my husband to the hospital. He, so the boy said, like, here, I'll help you. I'll bring the, I'll bring your husband to the hospital and because I'm more quicker. So he goes, he brings them. And then he goes, he brings the man down. And he's waiting for the woman. And then the woman says, oh, you can leave. But he stays. And then this this person um while he was you know he he met while he was like being there with the old couple he was talking to a person and he said like um the person asked him what are you like doing here it's like oh yeah i was helping these people so he's like what brings you to um israel and you're he's like oh yeah basically the like there was like this priest and everything and he told me to come to um, Israel and everything because that's like my background and that's where he learned stuff and he tells him the whole story of wow. um, like what the priest told him and then the man in the hospital the old man he starts crying and everyone's like what, what's the matter what happened he's like I was that person who brought the priest into my house and I thought my entire life like what was I doing and then um, I didn't know that it would bring, end up bringing somebody to become a uh, from Jew and wow. yeah, it was like your little actions, um, like you might not even realize it, but can cause a whole chain reaction and cause somebody to be um end up being Jewish or like even just like appreciating the little little things, like just helping out your mother. Okay, yeah, sometimes it's annoying, but like that's what you are. Like you're a Jew and you do these stuff and you're all for people, like you help out people, you do even the things you do daily in life. Yeah, yeah, you do that normally. You don't give it a second thought, but those really are like what makes you like Jewish and like davening and helping people out. That's it. It all brings you back to your roots. And yeah. like yeah. just thinking about it, like, you know, just putting a little thought can like just help you be um closer and understand that like you're special and you're Hashem's chosen one. Wow. Wow, Leora, this is like so powerful and 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 it's so great. Like, you know, especially coming closer to Shavuos. And you're right, you know, if I'm born Jewish, and it's who I am, may as well explore it and appreciate it and embrace it, you know, instead of trying to run away from it, um, be proud of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of a story also that maybe we'll end off with for this week. Um, I heard it actually when I was in teen camp, when I was in uh, summer camp as a teenager, and it, it stuck with me ever since. Um, there was this guy who came to speak for a class of boys who were teenagers and they were like very rowdy and rebellious and not not at all listening they weren't interested in learning and so the school tried different speakers anyways they brought this rabbi to speak with them and hopefully he'll inspire them and so he started with this story and he told them that there was once a couple who you know had a wonderful marriage but they didn't have any children and they were really really sad about it and so finally 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 after years of davening and even the community you know was trying to help out they had a child but when the wife went into labor, um, there were complications. And so the husband was outside the room and he, you know, the doctor, it was like one of the most exciting times of his life, but the doctor came to him and said, 
you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of complications. And, you know, if you're religious, you should probably start praying now. So the husband did. He was saying to Hillim, he was talking to Hashem. He was crying. And um, the doctor came out after quite a while and said, it's getting worse. Like, you know, you, you probably want. Anyways, the husband was crying through and um, the doctor gave him a chance to come into the room to speak to his wife, you know, because she was like on the verge of passing away. And they were like in tears. They were finally waiting for this moment. And here, you know, here they were like, um, they wouldn't even be able to to bring this child into the world together. And the wife said to her husband, she said, I was given a choice. And I know you don't agree with me, but I chose to have the baby live. And I know this, actually, as I'm saying the story, I'm like, you know, I know for sure Rabbanim would have to be involved in this, like, you know, rabbinic. But anyways, the story goes that she said, like, I chose to give my life for this baby. And she said, the only thing that's the most important to me is that you raise this child, like, you know, as I would raise him. And so the wife passes away. And sure enough, you know, he's left with a little baby boy. And it's like a very, very bittersweet moment. Um, you know, they're all like so distraught about her passing. But at the same time, he has this little boy to raise. And he does. He tries his best and he sends him to Cheder and he sends him to Yeshiva. And the boy started getting into trouble without his father knowing. And he would like skip classes and he would hang out with the wrong guys. But he didn't want to cause his father pain. So he hid it all. Like he didn't tell his father what he was doing. And sure enough, like he's, I don't know, 14 years old. And his dad and his father said, I need to go. Um, he had to do like a business something. So he told his son, who he knew nothing that he was involved in all this wrong stuff. He said to him, OK, I'll be back later. He didn't think twice and he left. And sure enough, the boy, like the minute he had the green pass, he invited his friends who were very rowdy, who were like drinking and drugs and girls. And they were like just all over the house and loud music. And the father, he he left for quite a while and then he comes back. It's really late at night. And as he's coming towards his block, he sees like all these um, lights out on his block. And he's thinking, oh, my gosh, did something happen to my son? Is that the ambulance? And sure enough, he sees police cars. And where are they parked? They're outside his house. So he comes up to his lawn and the neighbors are outside. Like, they can't believe what's happening. And he can't believe what's happening. Like, he just left his son for a few hours. And he goes into his house and he stops, like, dead in his tracks. And he just takes in, like like music booze like who you know something he would never ever imagine would happen in his house and he just stands there and he and his son sees him and they just like look at each other without saying a word and then the father loses it and he just screams he's like get out of my house what are you all doing here anyways everybody runs <laughs> and he's left facing his son face to face and his son is terrified he has no idea what his father's gonna do like he's never even uttered a word to him his father would never imagine he was into this all this stuff anyways the father tells his son get into the car so he gets into the car with his father and they start driving and they're driving and they're not talking no one's saying a word and the son is just thinking in his mind like oh my gosh my father's just gonna like leave me off at the side of the road and you know like he's so mad at me and the father keeps driving and eventually they come to a cemetery and so the son's thinking, oh, my gosh, my dad's going to bury me alive. Like, he's so mad at me. <laughs> so they come to the cemetery and they'd never really spoken about what happened to his mother. Like, it was something that was wasn't really discussed. Um, the, the, the son knew his mother had passed away, but he never asked, you know, because he knew it was painful for his father. 
And as they walk through the cemetery, it's at night, the son is shaking, he's terrified. And they come in front of a caver. And so his father says to him, do you know whose caver this is? And he looks at it and it's his mom's name. So he says, I guess my mother. And here he's like terrified. What is his father going to do? And his father says to him, do you know that your mother gave up her life so you can follow in the ways of her fathers and her and just be a religious, like someone who she would really look, you know, be proud of. And she, anyways, and then the father said to his son, he's like, not only your mother gave up your life for you. Imagine all those people in the Holocaust who, you know, who died Al-Kiddush Hashem, but they, they knew that the next generation would just continue living like, you know, proud Jews and, and all those, um, all those um, holy people that gave up their lives, right? Like, anyways, he gives the son a whole speech and then he goes home and the rabbi finishes the story and he said the son, the boy really turned around after that and he became, you know, more serious about his studies and he brought so much nachas. And then the rabbi goes and he says, that was me. And I don't know, like, even every time I say it, it's such a, it's such a, I don't know, it's a story that I'll never forget. I heard it as a teenager. And, you know, it's like, it's like what you're saying, Leora, that, you know, we owe it to ourselves. Like if we're Jewish, may as well explore it, may as well embrace it, may as well appreciate it and live it to our fullest. And we're not only doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for all the generations before us, you know, that gave up their lives or that risked their lives because they knew that we would just continue, you know, living as proud Jews. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's so really inspiring and everything. And it's true. Like even like the little things or like just the way that you turn around your life or just like live your life, just thinking about it. Like you come from a whole line of people that give, gave their lives and put their entire like lives into it. And like all the people from the Holocaust and like just generations of generations of people like following the Torah and appreciating Hashem. It's like, you know, it's like we're the next people. Yeah, 100%. And I'm I'm feeling inspired, you know, going into Shavuos. I'm I'm so happy that we had you on as our, you know, as our guest this week and I want to thank all our listeners for being a part of this Jewish Teen Talk. You can send in your anonymous question to jewishteentalk.com and thanks so much for joining us, Leora. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. It was really nice. Thank you for listening and please tune in next week for our brand new episode.